take out your Bibles this morning and turn to two pivotal passages within God's Word. Turn to two pivotal passages within God's Word this morning. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 and Isaiah chapter 40 this morning. And we'll come to the Isaiah portion in a, in a moment. Amen. Joe, I need some help here, brother. Praise the Lord. Uh, place my Bible down on the pew where I can grab it if necessary. Amen. I've got the scripture in my message booklet. Ushers, if you'll close those doors back there, please. Amen. Let's get ready to hone in on what the Holy Spirit would say to us in this hour. Father, in the name of Jesus, grant us ears to hear and hearts to receive what your Spirit is saying in this hour for your church. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. A man came to church. I hope you're not like this man. It had been a long week, an exhausting week. He'd worked overtime. And then on Saturday, it was working on the lawn, the landscape, getting everything ready, as many of you are doing, prepping for spring and supper, summer. And then late Saturday night, he just had to watch Saturday Night Live. And he was up later than he should be. He came to church came to the early morning service of church, and he got, ever get this? Of course, you never got this with me. He got the nods. This has never happened to you while I'm preaching. Uh, Come on, it ain't so. There's no way you could fall asleep with this guy speaking. Come on. And he got the nods. And... I mean, we're not just talking short little blackouts. I mean, he, he was snoozing. He was sleeping. And the preacher who had good eye contact, the preacher noticed it. And it, it kind of ticked him off. And uh, towards the end of the sermon, the preacher got an idea. The pastor said to the congregation, because he decided to make an example of the sleeping man, the pastor said very quietly to the congregation, all those wishing to have a place in heaven, please stand up. And everybody stood except the man who was asleep, and they were all standing around pointing and looking at him and laughing and jeering. And then they sat down. And the pastor, in a continued quiet mode, said, <laughs> All of you that are here this morning who want to have your place in hell, please stand up! And the man that was sleeping, all that he heard was stand up, and he stood up, and everybody's laughing, everybody's pointing at him, and he said, Pastor, preacher, I don't know what we're voting for, but it looks like only you and I are the only ones standing up for it. I want to talk to you this morning about weariness. Weariness. I'm not talking about physical tiredness. I'm not talking about you being out of shape or working too hard at the job. I'm talking about an inner fatigue. 
fatigue. I'm talking and addressing a soul weariness. A spiritual, emotional weariness. We all become weary sometimes. If you haven't become weary, talking about an inner weariness, if you've not become weary at one time or another, I don't think you're human. We get weary of our jobs. Yep, we hit it tomorrow morning, don't we? Same old treadmill, same old routine. We feel like a hamster in a cage, and the rat race begins all over again. We get weary of our jobs. We get weary of trying to make our business grow. We get weary of dealing with a sickness. We get weary of parenting a difficult child. We get weary of, of being lonely, and we keep waiting for Miss Right or Mr. Right, and Match.com and Single.com ain't working for us. We're weary of keeping the honey in the honeymoon. We're weary of, getting, of loving our spouse, even in a good marriage. It gets tiresome at times. Don't say amen. You get in big trouble. And even when God has faithfully moved mountains for lakeside assembly of God, even when God has been faithful to this church over and over and over again in the lakeside story, even building programs, can I hear an amen, can get weary at times when they go longer than they're supposed to. That inner weariness, in combat. What do they call weariness in combat? Don't they call it battle fatigue? You got it. Battle fatigue where, where stress, where, where discouragement, the loss of motivation can become so acute. It can make the difference between victory and defeat. Soul weariness, if it's allowed to go unchecked, I'm speaking of soul weariness, an inner weariness. If it is allowed to go unchecked, if it is not dealt with, it can lead to second-rate living. It can lead to a lukewarm marriage, a lukewarm love in the home. It can lead to a miserable, mediocre, mundane, passionless Christianity. We can lose out with God if we don't deal with the weariness of soul that affects all of us from pastor to parishioner. If you're weary this morning, weary in spirit, weary in soul, God's got a word for you. I said, God's got a word for you. Your second wind is coming. <laughs> Your second wind is coming. Follow along with me this morning. If you'd like to take notes, if you'd like to fill in the blanks in the sermon study guide before you, please do so this morning. Let's start off on the weariness war. God's word warns us about the danger of soul weariness. This is not just my word. It's the word of the Lord. Uh, Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The word weary here is translated literally to lose the sense of pleasure, to not feel the enjoyment that you once felt. Again, this has nothing to do with physical weariness. The weariness that 
the Lord is speaking of is an inner, a soul weariness where you have a worn out drive, a worn out love, a worn out spirit. Soul weariness is not, is not necessarily sinful. Soul weariness, though, can make us very, very vulnerable to the lies, the deceptions, the attacks of the enemy to defeat us. Soul weariness can keep you from God's best. You don't believe it? Just read the examples from God's Word. Moses, Pastor Moses. What can we say about Pastor Moses? There was probably no man in the Bible of greater miracles than Pastor Moses. Cosmic miracles, cosmic wonders. God wrought through his hand, the hand of Moses. But Pastor Moses had a short fuse. You know, there's only so much complaining, griping, moaning you can take from a congregation. And it gets to you. Pastor Moses had pastored the congregation for 40 years. And they had lapsed into their favorite pastime activity. Moaning and groping, moaning and, 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 and griping and complaining. We want water! Give us water! Moses had it up to here, and God told him to do what to the rock? God told him to speak to the rock. Did he speak to the rock? No, he lost his his temper, he blew his fuse, and he beat the rock with his staff. Because the stress had just gotten to him, the weariness of soul. And God said, you're going to see the promised land, but you won't touch it, and you won't taste it. I'm going to keep you from my best. I'm talking about soul weariness. It was weariness that caused prophet Jeremiah to lapse into despair and discouragement. The people rejected the message of Jeremiah and the messenger. Jeremiah then said, Cursed be the day I was born. Have you ever gone to that point? Come to that point? Why did I ever come out of a womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Soul weariness will do that to you. It did it to Jeremiah. Weariness caused David, King David, to stay home instead of staying in the battle. To stay home instead of staying in the battle. Saints, stay in the battle. Stay in the battle. I don't care how old you ever get. Stay in the battle. God doesn't call you to retirement. God has called you to refirement. Stay in the battle. When you don't stay in the battle, you get in trouble. Just ask David. He fell into adultery. He fell into murder. He fell into lying and deceit and manipulation. And God said, Thou art the man. Weariness. Weariness caused Elijah to run from Jezebel. He had had his Sunday of fire and rain. Talk about, a, uh, uh, for my generation, talk about a James Taylor Sunday. Elijah was able to say, I've seen fire and I've seen rain. And then on Monday, I've seen Jezebel and feats do your duty. And he ran for his life. And he laid down under a juniper tree, the Bible says, in the desert, running from a woman, running from Jezebel. And he said, he prayed, oh God, kill me. Kill me right now. Aren't you glad God doesn't answer all of our prayers? Weariness. 
Weariness caused John the Baptist who Jesus said was the greatest of all prophets. Weariness caused John the Baptist, who had the opportunity and privilege to water baptize who? Jesus. And at the baptism of Jesus, what did John the Baptist say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. At the water baptism of Jesus, when Jesus came up out of the water, John saw the Holy Spirit descend in the form of a, a dove. And John the Baptist heard a voice call out of heaven, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Who said that? God the Father. And yet... In the dungeon of his despair, John the Baptist sends a message to Jesus. Are you really the one? Or should we be looking for another? And Jesus said, Do not doubt me. John, the greatest of all prophets because of soul weariness, had lapsed into doubt. Again, this weariness that I'm talking about, it's not relieved by taking a break. It's not relieved by taking a rest. It's not relieved by on an afternoon nap. This weariness that your pastor is warning you about, it cannot be cured by going on vacation. Because when you come back from vacation, it'll be there still winking at you. If weariness of soul and spirit isn't addressed, it will take over your life. It'll move you into discouragement. It'll move you into doubt. It will move you to where Satan wants to place, position, and put you into defeat. Old Slewfoot might not be able to get you to, to join his kingdom. He might not get you from God's camp into your camp, but weariness has the opportunity to paralyze your potential so that you cannot be used of God. You cannot be an impact for the kingdom of God. You cannot be a threat to the enemy, and you miss out on God's best for your life. To show you that this weariness is not cured through sleeping. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus, in the night before his death, what did he warn the disciples? What did he warn the disciples? Did he say, now I, I want you to sleep, I want you to rest, we got a big day tomorrow. No, Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch, be alert. That word watch in the Greek is a spiritual warfare term. It is to be vigilant because the attack is coming. Watch and pray. If you snooze, you lose. Basically what Jesus was saying. What did they do? They ended up snoozing and losing. Think of it. Think of it. If they had been praying like Jesus urged them to do, instead of sleeping, they wouldn't have caved in to fear and compromise. They wouldn't have deserted Jesus and gone A-W-O-L, going over the hill. If they would have prayed instead of sleeping, they wouldn't have denied Jesus as their only Savior, their only Lord. Three times Peter did it. This is my point. If weariness... Soul weariness can so impact and affect the prophets, 
the kings, the apostles, a man like David, a man after God's own heart, what can it do to you and I? What can it do to you and I? One of the enemies, write it down, favorite strategies is to target Christians with weariness. On the way to our victories, you see, you're always, always, always going to face the weariness test. How many of you are in college or a master's program or a doctorate program right now? You're in an academic program right now. How many of you? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. Very good. Let me tell you, from somebody that's gone the gamut, whether it's an academic degree or a chosen career, or maybe for you it's financial independence that you and your spouse are on a journey on and you want to become debt-free. Or pastors, leaders, teachers. Maybe your journey is to have a successful ministry here at Lakeside. And I pray that all of you have that as your goal. Maybe uh, your end point, your finish line, your goal is to have a successful marriage, a loving marriage, a loving family. At one point! Or another, your enemy is going to bring a test of weariness into your spirit. He's going to speak into your mind and tell you to slow down, to throw in the towel and quit. This test never comes when we first start classes. It never starts, this test at the honeymoon usually. It's not the first couple of years ordinarily of a marriage or a new job. It's when it's been year in and year out. The month in and the month out. The week in and week out. Daily grind. And many times it comes when we're within sight of the finish line. It comes when we become lethargic and apathetical in our spirit, when we've lost the passion. Keeping the honey in the honeymoon, that can apply to marriages, it can apply, it can apply to our walk with God. It is a daily battle to keep the honey in the honeymoon. You hear me in this? The test never comes when we first start out. It comes many times uh, in retirement. It comes many times when we're in sight of the finish line. Uh, and that's when we're the most vulnerable. Hear me in this. That's when we're tempted to quit. To quit loving the way we should. To quit believing the way we should. To quit running the race that's been set before us. And each of us have our own race to run. Florence Chadwick. Do you recognize that name? Florence Chadwick. Champion swimmer. Florence Chadwick in the early 50s, she swam and conquered the English Channel twice, starting from opposite directions. In 1952, she took on the challenge of swimming from Catalina Island to the coast of Southern California. When she began her swim in the icy waters... Anybody ever swim in the Pacific, Southern California? It ain't like Florida, to use a poor grammar. It's not like the Gulf Stream. It's cold. 
It's pretty much 50 degrees. She got in those icy waters. She swam alongside a boat. Her mother was in that boat. Her mother, her prime coach, urging her on. She swam, as many of these do, in a cage because of the sharks. Uh, then there's the jellyfish. Have you ever been stung by jellyfish underwater? I have. It's not a fun experience. After 15 hours of swimming in the icy waters of the Pacific, a dense fog moved in. You could cut it with a knife, so to speak. She could barely see the boat at her side. At the 15-hour mark, can you imagine swimming for 15 hours, utterly exhausted, pained by the stings of the jellyfish, uh, uh, and, and, and the cold was just getting to the core of her being. She begged to quit. Her mother urged her on. Her mother said, you're so close. You've got to be so close. But she quit. And it wasn't until she got in the boat that she discovered that the shore, the finish line, was just a half a mile ahead of her. And for a champion swimmer, it's like this. And she could have been there. At a news conference the next day, Florence said this, and I quote, All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. You see, when you're weary in spirit, all you see, write it down, is the problem instead of possibilities. All you see is the fog instead of the shoreline. All you see is the fog instead of the finish line. Soul weariness. Soul weariness. It'll keep you focused and fixated on your problems, on your ailments, on your negatives. It'll keep you focused on the storm, on the giants in the land. It makes you focus on the way it is instead of the way it can become. This story's been repeated over and over again. Uh, Israel, Israel, Israel is at the doorway to the promised land. Israel is at the doorway to God's best for their life. Israel is at the doorway, the threshold of their dream. A land flowing with milk and honey. We're talking about promised land living. But all they could see was not the land flowing with milk and honey. All they could see was giants. There's giants in the land, and we can't do it. Now get a hold of this. I want you to write this in your soul. They made a permanent decision based upon a temporary feeling. Let me say it again. They made a permanent decision on a temporary feeling. Weariness of spirit will do that to you. When you're experiencing soul weariness, you will act on your feelings instead of acting on your faith in our God who will not and cannot fail us. 
My granddad, my grandpa Chris, pastor of 50 years, he had a phrase that I remember as a grandson over and over and over again. He would say, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. Amen. Amen. You got mountains you can't climb? Our God is bigger. You got storms that you can't face? (laughs) Our God is bigger. He still says there's peace uh, in the storm. I'm your peace in the storm. Peace be still. Uh, You got giants that you're facing? I'm here to tell you our God is bigger. Our God is bigger. Our God is bigger than any giant you can face. Rise up church and move in faith. Don't walk in fear. Don't walk in worry. Walk in a faith in our God who continues to make a way where there seems to be no way. Again, weariness of spirit is not sinful. But it can lead to sin. That's why Satan delights in attacking us with it. When we're moving in soul weariness... He gets our focus on the fog instead of the goal. Our focus on the fog instead of the completion, instead of the dream. He gets our focus on the goal, on the fog, instead of God's best for our lives and our family. He paralyzes our potential. And we lose our reward. We might make it to heaven. But we might not hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We might lose our reward and make it there by the skin of our teeth because we focused on the fog instead of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you want to hear that there's a way out of weariness? Do you believe that there's a way out of weariness? Do you believe God's got an answer for us? The Lord Himself, write it down, gives us the weariness solution. In Isaiah 40, uh, look at it with me. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. uh, And to those who have no might, He increases strength. To show you that this has no age requirement, no fitness requirement, even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. Read it with me. Say it out loud. Say it with victory. Say it with faith this morning. Verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. That's God's answer to the weariness problem. Hallelujah. You see the answer there? You see, God knew there would be times that all of us would face spiritual fatigue. But there's a way to get your second wind. It's God's second wind. There's a way to have your strength renewed. There's a way, hear me in this, to mount up with the wings of eagles and soar in the heavenlies. What's God's way? Out of weariness? Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait 
on the Lord. Most of us, when we hear that, we think of, okay, huh, I got to sit in God's waiting room and I got to twiddle my thumbs waiting. And pastor, I'm just like you. That goes against the grain. Pastor, I'm just like you. I stand in front of the microwave. Hurry up! Hurry up! What's the great American prayer? Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. This waiting, this waiting is not focused on patience. Patience is a part of it. What this means, and you can look at other translations, the NIV picks this up, the New International Version. Waiting on the Lord is not passivity, it's not complacency, write it down. Waiting on the Lord means hoping in the Lord. Hoping in the Lord. Hope is faith, future directed. It is the certainty in the present that God is faithful. And it's the certainty that in the future, somehow, someway, God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. God's going to work it out. You can lose everything. But as long as your hope is in your God, you have everything you need. Hope, you see, is the engine of faith. Hope starts out before we know how it's going to turn out. How many fishermen we have here this morning? Hallelujah. Jordan Wagge, you're one of the best fishermen I've ever seen on my lake. Caught the biggest pike. I didn't know. I'm scared to swim in my lake any longer. Man, take your leg off. My, my, my. Hope. Hope. (laughs) Is faith future directed? Hope, the engine of the faith, hope starts out before we know how it's going to turn out. And when you go fishing for Moby Dick, if you're filled with hope, uh, you not only take along your camera, you take along the tartar sauce. Because with God, all things are possible. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? Our hope isn't founded in the shifting sands of positive thinking. Our hope is not founded and anchored in man, the might of man, the articulate nature of man, the ingenuity, the expertise of man. Our hope is anchored in, hallelujah, the Son of Man, Christ Jesus, the rock of ages, the cleft in the rock, the chief cornerstone, Jesus, the solid rock. He is our God who cannot and will not fail us. Listen, listen, listen. If weariness is knocking at the door of your spirit this morning, his close cousin is right there with him. Who is the close cousin of weariness of soul? Doubt. Unbelief. If you're plagued by weariness of spirit this morning, hear your pastor urge you and admonish you. If you're plagued by weariness of soul this morning, there needs to be some spiritual surgery in your spiritual woman, your spiritual man. You need to perform a doubtectomy in the name of Jesus by hoping in the Lord, by waiting on the Lord, by lifting up your hands and pressing into His presence. Lord, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know the One who holds tomorrow in His hands. And God, you're already there you're already ruling you're already reigning God you got the whole world in your hands you got it all in the control 
And I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to ascribe majesty and honor and blessing and power and victory unto your holy name. That's how you perform a doubtectomy. Let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be pleasing unto you, O God. You see, hope says, hope says, hope says, I can have a better marriage. I can be free from the chains of this drug addiction, this alcohol abuse. I can be healed from this dreaded disease. Hope says, I can climb this impossible mountain. Hope says, I can have a changed life. Hope says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. There's your second wind. Your second wind. When you place your hope in God, He will renew your strength. He will mount you up with the wings of eagles. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. That's His second wind coming and breathing into your very spirit and soul. Your second wind doesn't come from an energy drink. Your second wind doesn't come from a fitness guru. It comes from the breath, the spirit of our holy God. That's God breathing strength, breathing energy, breathing new drive, new motivation into our lives. I quit as your pastor every week. I mean, having your phone and your text and your email go off 24-7, being available 24-7, and then many times it's uh, letters of complaint, emails of negativity. Huh? I quit every week. But then Monday morning I have a cup of coffee, I get in the Word, and I speak the promises of God which are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And I say, I'm going to give it another week. (laughs) I'm going to do it again for the glory of God. Hallelujah. When I'm not breaking my foot, and for those of you that don't know, uh, seven weeks ago, I broke my fifth metatarsal. It's that bone leading up to your baby toe. I broke it in two places. Tomorrow I have a doctor's uh, uh, examination and x-ray. Pray that I've been a good boy and not a bad boy. (laughs) I can get rid of that cast I'm supposed to be wearing right now uh, on my foot. I got a removable cast that I put on and take off, and I just don't want you focused on it this morning. I want you focused on the Word this morning. Amen. But when I'm not breaking my foot every morning, I have an appointment with the treadmill. After my appointment with the Lord in His Word and prayer, I go on down and uh, I run on the treadmill for 30 minutes. This is not a namby-pamby, mediocre uh, run. Uh, I, I start off with uh, a level incline on the treadmill and then that incline just keeps going up so that I end up running uphill. I start at speed 2 and I move up to speed 6.5. When you're at 6.5, you're flat out running. I mean hard running. And my greatest battle when I'm running on the treadmill, my greatest battle is not my feet. It is not my legs. It is not my lungs. My greatest battle And runners, you understand this. When I'm running, my greatest battle is right up here. Halfway through that run, especially at the 6.5 level, 
why don't you stop? Are you crazy? You know, you've put in your time over the years. It's time to slow down. You're going to wear yourself out. You'll be good for nothing at the office and for the ministry today. Uh, Why don't you just, you know, you ran hard yesterday. Why don't you just, you know, stop for a moment and rest? I stopped one time on the treadmill for a rest at 6.5, and I ended up, bam, on the back wall of the basement. You talk about a fly in the wall. I understand what that means. I have found that if I, if I keep focusing, I keep focusing on the miles I need to run. I keep focusing on how much time I have left. I mean, five minutes can seem like five hours on a treadmill. Huh? Yay and amen? If I keep focusing on the time, I keep focusing on the miles, I keep focusing on the speed, on the sweat, I, I find I give up. But when I just focus on one foot before another... When I focus on just another step, another step, another step, I can do another step. Honey, Christian, sweetheart, ma'am, young person, it's another step towards glory. It's another step towards the finish line. It's another love, a loving hug, a loving kiss in your marriage. It's another encouragement. It's it's another uh, speaking the promises of God, which are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. It's another day of lifting up your sword and shield of faith in the name of the Lord and going into spiritual warfare. It's another step, another step. If I focus on another step... Before I know it, I'm done. I've crossed the finish line. And wow, does it feel good. But you know, what got me to the finish line? Runners know this. All of a sudden, halfway through, my second win kicks in. Because I focus on another step. The second wind kicks in, uh, and I, I feel myself getting into the rhythm. I, I feel a new uh, bounce of energy. I feel a, a new vigor, a new strength. I feel a sense, I can do this. I can finish this. The real battle with weariness, mark this down, takes place in our minds. Thoughts attack us. Thoughts like it's never going to change. You're never going to get well. This is as good as it will ever get. My marriage is never going to get any better. I'll never see my dreams fulfilled. I'll never get my master's degree. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. Don't listen to those thoughts. Don't harbor those thoughts. Many of you, you're, you're, you're planting seeds already in the springtime. Weariness, weariness, these thoughts of weariness that plague and attack our minds, these are weariness seeds. Hear me, what you plant grows. What you pull out dies. If you have any weariness seeds that are coming into your mind lately, it might be about your marriage, it might be about your healing, it might be about your miracle, it might be about your business, it might be about your children. If you have any weariness seeds uh, that the enemy is planting in your mind this hour, don't wait to go and buy preen at Home Depot. Don't wait to go and buy weed killer over at Walmart. Don't wait for True Green to come by your way. Grab hold of those weariness weeds and Pull them out right now in the name of Jesus. Stop harboring them. What you plant grows. And what you pull out dies. Pull out those weariness weeds. 
The Bible says in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Some of you are thinking about your spouse day in and day out with negative thoughts, critical thoughts, unloving thoughts. And I use marriage just as an example. Just as long as you think those thoughts, just that long, you will not have a marriage miracle. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Think the positive. Think the glorious. See them as God sees them. See them as beautiful. See them as having potential. See them as loving. Focus on the positive in them in Christ Jesus. You get there through right talking. You see, right talking leads to right thinking, believing, and expecting. By talking to yourself the right way, you'll feel God's second wind kick in. Ever see somebody talk to themselves? And it freaks me out at the store, restaurants, and other places, you know, when I see people holding a conversation with themselves, talking to themselves, and then I realize they got a Bluetooth device in their ear. I still think that's weird. It is weird. You know, usually when you see people talking to themselves, you know, all the lights are on, but nobody's at home. You know, the elevator is not hitting all floors. You see me? You know, hear me in this? Uh, they're one step away from the funny farm. The Bible says very clearly to us that when David and his band of merry men, because David was Robin Hood before he became king. You just got to read it when you go home. When they came back from battle, a raid one time, they came back to their home of Ziklag, and all their houses had been burned, their property stolen, their wives and children kidnapped. The men became so bitter and discouraged and hateful that they talked of killing David. Man, how would you like to have a congregation do that to you? They spoke of killing you. Yeah. David, the Bible said, talked to himself. But it's how he talked to himself that made all the difference. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. And God brought the victory. God brought a miracle. Stop in the name of Jesus. Stop saying, I'm tired of this. I just can't handle it anymore. This is too difficult. Let somebody else do it. Listen, the more you talk about how tired and weary you are, the more tired you'll become. Uh Stop talking uh, about the way you are and start talking about the way you want to become. Start talking about your dream. Start talking about the victory that God is bringing in your life. Start talking about the miracle, the healing that God wants to do in your life. Determined to speak in faith believing and faith receiving. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? If God be for me, who can be against me? This battle is not mine. It is the Lord's. Greater is He that's within me than he that's within this world. When you talk that way, amen, you open the door for God's second wind. 
for God's second wind. He will renew your strength. You will mount up on the wings of eagles. Glory to Jesus. It might be an uphill battle, but you are able to say, I know my God is able to do that which is exceedingly and abundantly more than I can imagine, ask or think. Listen, your second wind is coming. Your second wind is coming. This is the day of opportunity. This is the day of high potential. This is a day for you to do amazing, incredible things for the glory of God and hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Write it down. If you stay in the battle, victory is assured for your second wind is coming. Again, Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. Will you say that by faith with me? At just the right time. Say it again. At just the right time. Say it like a preacher. Let it come from your spirit. At just the right time. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Do you see that promise? Do you see that thus saith the Lord? You're not always going to be sick. You're not always going to be in pain. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who is our healer, has set an end point to your sickness, to your disease. Uh, You're not always going to be lonely. God has Mr. Right. God has Miss Right out there for them, for you. Match.com, single.com, or .com this, .com that. That's not your answer. God is your answer to bring Mr. Right, Miss Right into your life. You're not always going to struggle in financial difficulty. You're not always going to be in debt. God is Jehovah Jireh. Our God will supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. You're not always going to deal with marital difficulty. A baptism of real love is coming your way. Coming your way. It was Wednesday night, Wednesday night, that one of the women of the church came up to me and said, Pastor, can I talk to you? And then she began crying. And I thought, oh boy, what now? And she said, Pastor, on Sunday, when you were greeting people at the south entrance on their way out, I came to you with a need A need for a healing miracle. Because I was going to the doctor that week. Pastor, I told you that I have macular degeneration. And I've completely lost sight in my one eye. It is wet macular degeneration. And you said, let's just... Let's just right here around all these people. Let's just agree in the name of Jesus and let's pray. Pastor, I went to my eye appointment with my eye doctor specialist. And he had me read the chart. And I could see the chart. I read the chart. I described the chart to him. And I just took for granted. I was reading the chart out of my good eye. Until the doctor said, you're reading that chart out of your bad eye. The doctor said, 
these are not my words. These are not her words. The doctor said, you are being healed. You are receiving a miracle. Macular degeneration in and of itself does not reverse itself. You are being healed. Our God is still in the miracle business. He's still in the healing business. So God's word to you, saint. Uh, You that are looking for your second wind, uh, stand strong. Uh, Don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep believing. Keep trusting. Keep expecting. Uh, Keep being your best. The Bible says, uh, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I sense it even right now in this service. I sense there's the anointing here right now for the second wind. Right now in this service this morning. I'm believing that your second wind is coming for you even right now. God is no respecter of persons. It is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He can do for you. Even right now, the Creator of the universe is breathing a second wind, a second wind into you. It's the wind of His Spirit. The Bible says that at the moment of creation, God took Adam and breathed into him a living soul. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that God breathed and there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Jesus at His resurrection appeared to the disciples and the Bible says He breathed upon them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that God has not stopped breathing. The wind has not stopped blowing. It's we who stop receiving. God is still breathing. Will you receive your second wind this morning? Will you receive your second wind this morning? Hallelujah. Even right now, would you let Him breathe upon you and in you? We're talking about new strength. We're talking about new love in your marriage. A new passion for your career. A new academic excellence at school. A new motivation for ministry. A new zeal for God. A new passion for His presence. Even right now, let Him breathe. New strength for your body. You will run and not grow weary. You will mount up with the wings of eagles. You will walk and not faint. The greatest second wind, though, of all is coming. The greatest second wind of all is coming. And I want you to be a part of it. Uh, uh, I want uh, to be a part of it this morning. I, I, I don't know when... I don't know exactly how. Uh, I don't know where I'll be. I don't know where you'll be. Uh, it might be morning. It might be noon. It might be evening. All I know, it's going to be soon. Uh, at a midnight hour uh, that no man knoweth, the Bible says, and Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout, uh, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain, we will be translated. We will be transformed. We will be caught up to be with Him forever and ever and ever more. Our second wind is coming. Uh, Our second wind is coming. The second wind is coming with the second coming. And what a day that will be. Think of it. Think of it. Your last breath of this air will be transformed into your first breath. 
of heaven's sweet fragrance. The moment you step into heaven, you'll step into heaven with a superhuman resurrection body. No limitations, no sickness, no old age in heaven. (laughs) And talk about reunion. Talk about reunion. You talk about your high school reunions. You talk about your family reunions. Wait for the reunion in the skies when we see our loved ones. But I don't know about you. I'm going to race right by Moses. I'm going to say, Paul, I'll see you later. Esther and Ruth, can we chat? Can we do lunch sometime? Because I'm going to run. I'm going to run. The best thing, the best thing about heaven is going to be Jesus. Jesus. When we receive that second wind, we'll no longer walk by faith. But we'll see Him as He is. Face to face in heaven oh what a day that will be when our Jesus we shall see are you anxious for your second wind it's coming it's coming Father we ask and pray right now as every head is bowed and every eye is closed that even right now Lord that God we would be prepared we would be ready for your soon return. And Lord, Lord, the Bible says for once it's appointed unto man to die. We don't know our appointment with death. It might be 30 years from now. It might be in the next hour. We can't control our breath. We can't control our heartbeat. Lord, I pray that every soul will be ready to see Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How about it? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Do you know that you know that you're right with God? That you have a home in heaven? This message has been primarily for Christians. But I throw out the lifeline right now. I want to give you an opportunity to enjoy Jesus. New life. Sins forgiven. The slate is clean. A new home in heaven. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm prepared to pray a prayer. A prayer that will make you right with God. And give you a home in heaven. All you have to do is to receive it by faith. If you'd like to receive this prayer by faith. If you're not sure you're right with God and you want to be sure. If you're not certain you have a home in heaven, you want to be certain. Just lift up your hand right now if you want to be included in this prayer. I don't want to leave anybody out this morning. God bless you. I see that hand. How many more? How many more? Precious Jesus. How many more? Up in the balcony, here on the main floor. Just lift up your hand if you want to be included in that prayer to make you right with God and have a home in heaven. Then let us pray right now. And for you that have raised your hand, Say this prayer with me out loud. Everybody, pray this prayer out loud. Own this prayer in the name of Jesus. Make it your own. Put your heart into it. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. No excuses. No defense. I confess. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sins. And I believe 
You rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life. A new life. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for cleansing me, for changing me, for giving me a home in heaven. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. I receive this as I believe it. Amen.